eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Now, coming up on Sunday night, I'm very excited. This is the most excited I've ever been for a ballot that's not your traditional Hall of Fame ballot. We have the contemporary era ballot in which a handful of guys will be up for the Hall of Fame. They will be voted on by some of their peers. There are a few Hall of Famers on the on the group that is voting There are some media members that are voting. There are some executives that are voting. And the way it works is you need to get 12 of 16 votes. There are 16 panelists voting. If you get 12 of 16, you get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. If you don't get the 12, you fall short. So quickly, at the end of this, Hoff and I will tell you, point blank, yes, I'd vote for this guy. No, I wouldn't vote for that guy. But that's not the point of the pot today. The point of the pot today is how... Some of these guys almost became New York Mets and how our lives in their lives could have been very, very different. Now, some of these guys never came close to becoming New York Mets, but they're still fascinating nevertheless. The first one is Albert Bell. Albert Bell never came close to being a New York Met, spent his entire career with the American League, uh, so never even faced the Mets, essentially. Like, we basically never looked at Albert Bell. Now, from afar, I knew how great Albert Bell was. And to me, Albert Bell is a Hall of Famer. Uh, There are very few guys in the history of baseball that have higher OPSs than Albert Bell that are not in the Hall of Fame. One guy's name is Barry Bonds. More on him in a little bit. But Albert Bell, for a kind of an eight-year period, was this elite-level hit machine. And it sort of gives you that test of how many years do you have to be great for you to be considered a Hall of Famer. But then we have Barry Bonds. And forgetting all the steroid stuff with Barry Bonds, Barry Bonds, and I'll never, ever forget this. At the end of the 1996 season, a year in which the Mets went 71 and 91, they had a great year from Bernard Gilkey, a great year from Lance Johnson, a great year from Todd Hundley. Barry Bonds was a member of the Giants, and there were just rumors. I don't even know where they came from. The Giants are going to trade. They're done. They're done with Bonds. Bonds is a great player at the time. He's not steroided up Bonds, but he's still a former MVP, was coming off a year, I think, in which he had close to 40 home runs, drove in 100 runs, an elite-level baseball player, one of the top players in the sport. 
and Barry Bonds, for whatever reason, there were rumors that they were going to trade him. And so Barry Bonds comes to the plate at Shea Stadium. And I'll pull the exact date because I know it was late in the season. And Barry Bonds gets announced to the crowd and gets this huge ovation because we wanted him. Because we all read the rumors. We know what was going on. And we were like, we want him. We want Barry Bonds. How can we not? And here's the date. It was late August of that season. Late August of that year. So it wasn't like September, but it was clearly when you knew the deal. And I'll never forget me and my dad giving the guy a standing ovation. Like it was one of the rare times we cheered for an opponent because we're actively saying we got to trade for Barry Bonds. So I went into the archives to find how close did this come to happening? Like, are there names? Is there a specific rumor? Here's the closest thing I found. And you guys can't dispute this. This is a quote from, of all people, Bernard Gilkey. So again, Gilkey has this great season. Fantastic, fantastic 1996. And the Mets re-sign him. They re-sign him. Not the greatest contract in the world. I'm sure we'll get to that in a future podcast. Anyhow, Bernard Gilkey is asked in his contract signing Do you think the Mets are going to get Barry Bonds? And I have a quote from Bernard Gilkey. Here it is. As much as people say things about Barry and what type of guy he is, I want him on our team, Gilkey said. If we don't get him and can't do anything, if we get, I'm sorry, if we can get him, he can't do anything but help our ball club. We need a couple of more pieces to this puzzle. I feel like I'm a piece of this puzzle. Hopefully, they'll try to get somebody else, all right? Now, this article from the New York Post many years ago, or it's Newsday, I should say, goes on to say, the Mets remain interested in acquiring Barry Bonds. After initially hearing that the Giants wanted to trade the outfielder by the end of the week, the Mets have been told the Giants now want to take their time in evaluating offers. They're slowing the process down, one source with knowledge of the situation said. One unnamed GM. Oh, this is, this is going to kill you, Hoff. This is Will Ponask. Here we go. One general manager attending the World Series said he would be shocked if the Mets acquired Bonds. Why? You want to know why he'd be shocked? Because of the $16.5 million he is scheduled to make over the next two seasons. The Mets signed their closer, John Franco, to a two-year contract worth $5.35 million last Friday and are looking to upgrade their bullpen and add a proven power bat to their lineup. But basically, this unnamed GM, what a genius he is, said, the Mets aren't taking on Bonds' contract. So I don't know if it was the contract off. I assume it was the fact the Giants decided just not to trade him, which they didn't do. But the Mets were linked to Barry Bonds after the 96 season, and they didn't get him. And boy, that would have changed everything. Holy crap. I love that it was in the contract with Gilkey. Because that to me is something like, I'm always curious. I was actually thinking about that, like David Wright, for example. We, we, we you know, Kadire was always linked to him as like far as who do you want to bring in? He brings in Kadire type of thing. But you want to help build a roster. There's names around. Like, do you actually, hey, if you're going to sign, who do you want on this team? That's amazing that he, they said, uh, they were talking about Barry Bonds and potentially bringing him in. Yeah, and Gilkey's like, bring him on in, even though he plays my position. 
<laughs> Which, and I'll probably be traded for him, but whatever. Yeah, I'm going to move <laughs> somewhere else, but sure, bring him in. Um, so thinking about this, because I remember it at the time. I just don't remember specifics in terms of what they were going to offer necessarily for Barry. If the Mets had acquired Barry Bonds after the 97 season, I'm going to take you through the alternate universe we would have lived in. After the 96 season, I should have said. Mike Piazza never becomes a Met. And let's just start right there. It does not happen. Because the Mets were desperate for a star when they traded for Mike. You know, in theory, Todd Hundley was coming back. He was one of the better offensive catchers in baseball. And look, they happened to acquire a catcher because they were desperate for a star, for a guy to kind of change the feel of the New York Mets. Barry Bonds does that. Like Barry Bonds would have accomplished that. Now, I don't know how Bonds would have handled the media which is a major question. He could have come in here and it could have been bad. He was very close with Bobby Bonilla. I think they're friends to this day. And Bonilla may have said, hey, Barry, I got some advice when you get to New York. Uh, Put some earplugs in your ear in case they boo you and tell the reporters I'll show you the Bronx. Like, I don't know. The Bonds thing could have gone terribly in terms of the media, but he was a great player. And so if Bonds is in that lineup in 1997, I'm not saying they... They win the wild card that year because the Marlins were very good, but the Mets are better. They're just a flat-out better team. And in 1998, they don't trade for Mike Piazza. Now, that creates this alternate universe where Preston Wilson is still there, and who knows what happens to him, and Todd Hunley sticks around, and that means they don't trade for Armando Benitez and Roger Cedeno. Like, There's a lot of weird things that could happen from this, but I can guarantee you this, Mets fans, for anyone who hates the steroid guys, I'll tell you this right now, if Barry Bonds was hitting 73 home runs for our team and was leading us to a World Series, we'd be still praying to his altar. To this day, we'd be going to the statue at City Field every day saying, dear Barry, dear Barry, we love you, Barry. <laughs> well, I, you know, that and I don't know if we would have cheered McGuire and Sosa as much when they came to town when they were breaking records those years. Yeah, I, I don't know. Because we, we had our own slugger? Because we had, we our, had own our own guy? guy yeah. yeah. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I don't know. I don't know because Bonds didn't chase those records till after 98. That's apparently what motivated him to do steroids. So I don't know. But think about this. Barry Bonds chasing a home run record. <laughs> the other time I remember there being Bonds rumors was actually after the Giants didn't re-sign him in 2007. And for a short period of time, we were desperate for a bat. And I remember talking about it on the fan with Joe. Could we bring Bonds in? And it never felt realistic. I think he was clearly blackballed. I don't think teams wanted to touch him at that point. But acquiring Bonds after 96 would have been completely different. Another guy who's up for voting is Roger Clemens. And I think people forget this about Roger, and we'll get into his history versus the Mets. Roger Clemens was drafted by the New York Mets. True story. Back in 1981, at a high school, Roger Clemens was taken in the 12th round. 
he did not sign. The Mets and Clemens could not come to an agreement. So in 1983, two years later, Roger went back in the draft. And the Mets planned on drafting Roger Clemens again. And one pick before the New York Mets were the Boston Red Sox. They took Roger Clemens. The rest is history. And Clemens's history versus the Mets is crazy because it spans two generations. You go right back to 1986, which is something we only hear stories about. Roger Clemens starts game two of the World Series that year. Uh, doesn't pitch all that well. Red Sox win that game, but he didn't pitch all that well. Got knocked out in the fifth inning. But then famously, I think we still see this image to this day of Roger with his hand, head in his hands, praying to the gods after he delivered a brilliant game six performance, seven innings, two runs. He's about to end the curse. He's going to be the man that contributed to ending the curse. We all know what happened in game six. So Roger, two starts, Shea Stadium, the effing 1986 World Series. We did not. We were not trying to sign him as a free agent, by the way, before he went to Toronto. We were not trying to trade for him after Toronto eventually traded him to the New York Yankees. And obviously the Yankee stuff is where the history became. It really got up a notch. And what's funny is that we kicked Roger Clemens's ass. Let's not forget that. The New York Mets in the Subway Series, and even before that when he was a Blue Jay, beat the crap out of Roger Clemens. Roger Clemens's numbers against the New York Mets are not good. In fact, overall in his career, Roger Clemens's ERA against the Mets is 4.89 and 11 starts. There is not a team in baseball he has a higher ERA against, not a team. 3 and 6, 4.89 ERA between 1997 and 2002. And those are good years, by the way, for Roger. How many Cy Youngs are mixed in there? With the Blue Jays and the Yankees, he made seven starts against the Mets in interleague play. He was 2-5 and with a 7.56 ERA. A lot of this is what led to him beating Piazza. Piazza beat him. Piazza beat the crap out of him. I'll remember, I'll tell you games. Uh, The finale of the Subway Series in 99 at Yankee Stadium when the coaches got fired. Home run off Roger Clemens. The Friday night back at Shea Stadium, uh, about a month later, home run off Roger Clemens. Like he, he beat up Roger Clemens. Really did. And that obviously led to, you know, I'm not, we're not going to waste time on this, but you know what happened, obviously. Beamed in the head, the bat incident, all that crap. So Roger's got a long history against the Mets. It's not good outside of game two of the World Series. I shouldn't leave that out. I'm giving all these brutal Roger Clemens versus the Mets stats. And the one thing I can't leave out is eight scoreless innings in game two of the Subway World Series. The game in which he threw the bat at Mike. I'd like to leave it out, but I can't. Four career starts at Chase Stadium by Roger Clemens. Two in the 86 World Series, two in interleague play. His record, 0-3, ERA. So look, the, the numbers are the numbers. The Mets in their history outside of that one game that's tough to look past, game two of the 2000 World Series, the Mets beat the crap out of Roger Clemens. So is he a Hall of Famer? That's not the point of this right now. We'll get to that eventually. <laughs> but how about the fact they drafted him? Did you even know that off that they drafted him all those years ago? 
No, I didn't. But I, I've heard stories about this that they've, you know, high school guys don't always sign. They always go back into the fold. Then it Mets Yeah, it, it is what it is. It's not just a no, Mets thing either. No, it's not. It's more. I just think it's interesting because of the history he has with the Mets. That wow, he could have been a Met. Boy, that would have changed everything. Doc and Roger, the same rotation. Uh, Don Mattingly is also a finalist for the Hall of Fame. We got nothing against Donnie. The only thing we have against Donnie is that he's managed against the Mets with the Marlins and the Dodgers. But obviously, in the time before interleague play, the whole Mattingly-Keith Hernandez debate was just a debate. We never got to see it mano a mano. Uh, Fred McGriff, Fred McGriff, you know, he was with the Braves for a bunch of years. But remember, he was with the Braves before our rivalry really got heated, before 98, before 99, before 2000. So I don't even have like this negative feeling towards Fred McGriff. His numbers against the Mets, very pedestrian, which I thought was sort of surprising because you end up looking at these numbers that guys have against every team and they're all good. Guy's a Hall of Famer. He's good against every team. Fred McGriff had his fourth lowest OPS versus any team was actually the New York Mets. So it is what it is. The other guy who's a finalist is Dale Murphy, who actually had great numbers at Chase Stadium. I was looking at Dale Murphy's numbers. Dale Murphy, best ballpark he could hit in was Fulton County Stadium. Not a surprise, his home ballpark. The second best ballpark he hit in was Shea Stadium. And what's impressive about that is think about when Dale Murphy was at his best. The Mets were very good. Like the Mets had elite level pitching. So you're putting up big numbers at Chase Stadium. You're doing it against great players. All right, two other guys that are finalists, and boy, this is going to blow both of your minds. Both of your minds is in your mind and my mind. It still blows my mind thinking about it. Let's get to Kurt Schilling. So Kurt Schilling has amazing numbers against the Mets, not a surprise. Spent a lot of time in the National League East with the Philadelphia Phillies, obviously traded to Arizona. So his numbers against the Mets, 13-5, and 2-4-2 ERA, utterly brilliant. If you remember, Kurt Schilling was traded at the deadline to the Arizona Diamondbacks in 2000. The big impact, though, was the following year when they made the playoffs and they had the rotation of Kurt Schilling and Randy Johnson. The New York Mets tried to trade for Kurt Schilling. They made an attempt. And I did find an old quote from Steve Phillips in which he said, we gave them an offer. We felt good about it. They wouldn't return our phone calls. (laughs) So I think what happened and you can't even get mad at this, is that they're the Nationals. They're the modern day. The Phillies were just never trading Kurt Schilling inside the division. It just wasn't happening. Even though the team wasn't any good, the Mets were a playoff team. The Braves were a playoff team. They did not want to trade Kurt Schilling to the New York Mets. Now, it's frustrating because, Hoff, if the Mets trade, 2000, keep this in mind, if the Mets trade for Schilling, they got a rotation going into the postseason of Al Leiter, Mike Hampton, and Kurt Schilling. Let's go. And then obviously in the World Series, Kurt Schilling has a chance to bloody sock the Yankees and diamond back the Yankees, things he eventually did long before that, except with the Mets. So I, I don't know who was being offered. I'm sure it was a fair, not a fair offer. I'm sure it was a fine offer, but clearly based on Steve Phillips saying that, that's the Philly saying, we're just not trading you. Sorry. Uh, what bothers me is that you should know that it's, you, you, it's like, listen, and I hate to do the fancy baseball comparison, but you and I are in the same league together. 
you know when you have to offer a little bit more to get a guy or at least keep someone interested. If you're going to make a legitimate offer for Kirk Schilling, which they should have, it was necessary, they got to go for it. They got to go for everything. Do do whatever it takes to get him. Um, I'm, that would have been incredible. I did not know about that trade offer. I wish I could see on paper who the names were because I'm dying to know that. We should get Steve Phillips on. Well, yes. Yeah, so I don't know the names, but I'm about to give you the big one. 